Hello, welcome to Circuit and Gear, a podcast where we discuss scenic automation and other interesting tech. I'm Gareth Connor. And I'm Cody Green. Cody's back. And I'm Steve Nash. Woohoo, and Steve's here too. So we're doing like a round table tonight. Um, and for the first time in a long time, we're going to do a not scenic automation kind of podcast. We're going to actually fulfill the other interesting tech portion of that intro. Steve had a great idea of doing a cool tools and toys. Like what have we played with this year that we're excited about? Um, and I have vowed to drink at least 30 to 50% less beer during this episode. Cause after listening to, <laughs> to the last, the last episode, I was like, Whoo, I think about by beer four, uh, I was getting a little messy there. So we're going to tone it down a touch. Anyway, uh, we should just dive right in. We got a big list of stuff. So first thing was, uh, on the list was cameras exclamation point. And we just, for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, we posted a fancy new video about our smart chain hoist on our YouTube channel, which Steve starred in. That's right. The dulcet tones of Steve. You're right. You can finally see what I look like. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Something for the ladies. Right? Yeah, I got a face for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that was... Uh, Kind of, in, so the whole camera, the camera fiasco that's taken on in the last uh, two months or so was inspired by two things. One was the, we did a Christmas break this year for the first time ever, or a holiday break, I should say. Um, and I had a, we all had a week off uh, over the holidays. And I spent a lot of time like looking through family photos and visiting with the family and all that good stuff. And one thing I was struck with at that time was uh, how much better my photos were in my photo album in, you know, Apple photos, looking back at stuff that was taken on my DSLR versus all my camera photos or uh, phone photos rather, rather. And I was like, you know what? I should try to use a better camera more often because these are awesome. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. But anyway, the Xmas break I thought was, was a great thing. Do you guys enjoy yourselves? Yeah. I thought it was, it was great. I, bouncing all around and got to go home, got to go visit my girlfriend's family. It was fantastic. It was long. It was nice. Yeah. It yeah. Felt, every day you'd wake up and be like, oh, this is almost over. You're like, oh no, it's not almost over. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, I mean, not to get too after school special, but like I, uh, I got to bond with my daughter and stuff like that who was born during, uh, right before our big, uh, software company gig. Right. And so, uh, I got, so some, the, yeah, I got some husband points back. Yeah, exactly. Like, Hello child. I'm your father. You might've missed me in the first part of your existence. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. Like moments before you were born, I was on a support call. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And that was probably a different, different topic altogether, but I thought that was a really, we have often struggled with between Christmas and new year's, like who is going to be in the shop and who's going to cover for what. And this year, all right. It was actually after last year's scheduling uh, trauma that we're like, you know what? Our eyes. Yeah. Like, let's just shut down. Like it, it seems like other companies do it. The world doesn't stop. So anyway, over that break, I got, uh, kind of rediscovered photography. Not that I was ever heavily into photography, but just kind of like looking at the snapshots and be like, wow, those are really better. And so I dug deep into the rabbit hole mostly. So mostly spending time on YouTube, watching camera review videos, which is not yes. at all like taking photos, but it gets you into the, gets you <laughs> amped about it. <laughs> right. It elevates your opinion in, in an unrealistic way. Absolutely. <laughs> Suddenly I found myself very opinionated about all sorts of gear I didn't have. Yeah. yeah. And then I certainly can't afford. <laughs> no, definitely not. Yeah. 
But it also got me kind of, uh, one of the things we set out to do this uh, in the next 12 months is to do more YouTube videos. And watching all these YouTube gear reviews, I was like, hey, this is actually, gave me some idea of where we could maybe head, which tied in nicely with like, but you know what we're going to need for that? A bunch <laughs> of camera gear. <laughs> <laughs> and so I ended up replacing, I had a Canon T3, T3. right? Cause you've got, what do you have Cody? I have a Canon T3i. Right. Which, which is like, like the next half step, step. Yeah. 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 But it has a couple of nice features. Yeah. It's like a little more, it's got the like flip out screen and it's got some more uh, like video friendly um, features, but the same kind of base frame as yeah. your T3. Right. Yeah. And so I ended up just after much debate, uh, mm -hmm. I really wanted to get at that point the Fuji X-T30 because it looked so cool and retro and had great reviews and stuff. But I was like, yeah, that's irresponsible. I have I have a little bit of Canon lenses already and I right. could preserve those and stay in the Canon family. So I got the Canon SL3, which is basically like the modern equivalent of my Canon T3. But just going up from like it, my whatever six or seven year old DSLR to a modern entry level DSLR got a bunch of cool features in right. the mix. Um, it has a flippy screen like the yeah. T3i, which is nice. Features that surprise me like, oh, this is standard now? Like, what <laughs> yeah, right. are you talking about? There's an app? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the app thing is awesome. Like, having a remote app on your phone for your camera. Yeah, it's pretty mind-blowing. Like, we were trying to line up some shots, and you were like, oh, you want to take it? And I'm, like, lining something up, and you were just looking at your phone, like, oh, yeah, it could go a little left. And I was like, <laughs> what? How can you Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And then you can poke at the phone to change the focus point on the camera, uh, yeah. which is pretty dope. Yeah. This is pretty crazy. This is pretty right? crazy. And you can yeah. adjust, obviously, like, the aperture, and you can adjust the shutter, shutter speed all from your phone. So, like, when... As we dug into setting up the shots for the chain motor video, we had like the camera in all sorts of various locations, but you could just kind of perch it up on a tripod on top of something and then like grab, take your phone out and right. Do Instead of having to do the like neck crane gig that we used to have to do, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's pretty, pretty awesome. <laughs> pretty awesome. And, yeah. and like the body for that camera is like 500 bucks, five, between five and 600 bucks. So pretty inexpensive for that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, it does 1080 recording now, which my old one only did 720. And then uh, it'll do 4K, but with a hefty crop. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't feel like 4K video was really going to be in our future anytime soon. Right. Yeah. So that seemed okay. And they already look so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. The 1080 video looks great. And then to take some of the fun cam, the like panning shots, I bought this little, um, well, at one point we were, we were considering like taking some of our automation equipment <laughs> and like strapping the camera to it, like our trick lines, right? Yeah. Like, we do some cool slider shots with that. But then I found on Amazon, you can get like the, it's a newer N-E-E-W-E-R three wheels wireless camera video auto dolly for like 40 bucks. It's crazy. It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like a little remote control battery operated gizmo that has one motorized wheel on it and then like two folding arms with idler wheels so you can change the angle of those arms to go from like straight shots to like panning curved shots as if like the, it was like a curved track on a camera dolly and the thing's tiny and you just like you know screw on with a quarter 20 thread the, your camera to it and then mm -hmm. pans around which is cool so that thing was baller that was yeah. like because we took a lot of the 
product shots with that. It looked cool. Right. For something that is at its price point, and when you look at it, you're like, well, this can't be good. Right. And then, like, who cares about, like, when you look at the shots and you get to start playing around with it, all of a sudden you're like, oh, no, this is awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is some really cool, like, cheap, cool shots with it. Yeah. 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 And we posted on Instagram. I think it was, uh, I might be misattributing this, but I thought it was Brendan King that posted. He's like, he saw the Instagram post of the little camera dolly like swinging around your shot yeah, of yeah. The shot yeah. <laughs> yeah and he's like they don't know why yet but the video guys need uh position feedback from that thing <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah exactly uh, um and i got a new lens because of course you know there's no no stories complete without a new lens but we got the a 17 to 55 millimeter f 2.8 image stabilized lens to help with some of those product shots it's very nice. Just really it's nice. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> and bought a few lights. Got some loom cubes. A little like USB rechargeable. Like they're maybe two inches or inch mm -hmm. and a half aluminum squares with just like super bright LEDs in them. And you can again, there's an app for your phone that you can control them with, or you can just turn them on. They have all sorts of like accessories that you can glom onto them. Those are the ones with the magnetic gels. Yeah, yeah. the magnetic gels. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and those things are really cute. Um, although I think that we also, I also discovered after the fact, because we did a little two-minute intro video with Mike and um, realized at that point that we needed some bigger lights, um, which we didn't have for the Mike video, but then I bought a couple of, like, stand lights. Again, from newer. Um, again, cheap. Like, all this stuff is crazy. And, and super thin. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Like... So be with built-in barn doors, right? And a tunable white balance. Like you can yeah. go warm, you can go cool. Yeah. Yeah, like to get the Kelvin, to get that K value just like displayed. And you're like, oh yeah. And then you're like looking at your camera and you're like matching them. Yeah. Like it's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. That I don't think used to be easy. <laughs> yeah, right? like, yeah, I guess I never really did it before, but it all seems super easy now. Yeah. yeah. It's like the hobbyist YouTuber thing. Like right. Everyone's mm -hmm. trying to break into it. So there's a niche has emerged in the market and now look at it. Yeah. Right. And I think those lights were like 80 bucks for the pair. Yeah. Right. And yeah. So I don't want to say it, but I guess thank you influencers. <laughs> <laughs> now that felt wrong. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And it was kind of funny just because throughout the whole process, like we'd, we'd do a shot or something and I'd be like, oh, you know, it'd be better. It's like if we had X, Y, Z thing and then like go on, <laughs> usually just go to YouTube and be like, how do we do this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then somebody else would, yeah, there'd be 1800 videos that would be like, yeah, go buy this thing off of Amazon. You're like, ah, oh, I'm good at that. Yeah, right. <laughs> Prime baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're close enough to a warehouse that we get one day shipping here. It's. Yeah, which is nice. Mm -hmm. There's no like same day like you New York guys. Yeah, you get oh, because you also have Prime now either, because that's like no. one hour delivery. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I felt good about things for a minute. <laughs> thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for peeing on my dreams. Yeah. <laughs> I for one respect my new Amazon overlords. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I'm yeah, Jeff, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> no ill will. <laughs> And then we had to get some new tripods or gotcha. just some tripods. We got a few ball head tripods. How many was it? Three. Yeah. Yeah. To hold like some of the lights and mm -hmm. the cameras and yeah, yeah, yeah. And then 
I was trying to do some like panning shots on the tripod, like an idiot. And like, I was like, oh, this kind of sucks. This is really hard. And then like watched a, watched a helpful YouTube video <laughs> with an Amazon affiliate link for, <laughs> for a video tripod. You're like, oh, that makes total sense. Which is ironic too, because of all the work that we've done in TV studios to like be so completely <laughs> just <laughs> like, blind, just blind to like what's going on around that's not automation related. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. Of course, you'd have a dampened pan and tilt on yeah. the video tripod. Yeah. You, normally, I'm just like, oh, that's that stuff that's normally in the way. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Should we strike this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the stuff where we just make a bounding solid around it, and we're like, yeah, machine can't go here. There's a camera. <laughs> <laughs> so that was cool. And then, like, a little gorilla pod, which we strapped to various beams and stuff to... <laughs> I think was cool. <laughs> to take some shots. And then, of course, we had to do some mics, get some new mics. We got the Rode video mic, which, like, uh, goes into the hot shoe on top of the... Camera, which uh, that was medium successful um, and enough unsuccessful that we then just got a road lav mic for Steve's mm -hmm. work, mm. which worked. Did we return better. the mic boom though? Because I was really no, looking I think forward to being a boom operator. No, oh, yeah, no, we yeah. still have it. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's exciting. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet the novelty of that wears off pretty quickly. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I would want to be a boom About operator. like second 90. Yeah. 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 And then speaking of the white balance stuff, I got a little set of white balance cards. So like oh. I can actually do the wow. custom white balancing after I took a bunch of shots. And I was like, these all look slightly different. Mm. <laughs> and I got a, a, to mount a phone to a tripod, uh, got a thing called a glyph clamp, um, made by studio neat, which was really cool. But then the lever, the clamping lever broke on it. So I replaced it with a Manfredo instead, or Manfrotto. I don't know the tripod guys. Yeah, mm. yeah, one star. Yeah, one star. <laughs> I I think that's really on me, like I <laughs> for breaking it. But uh, I wasn't gonna buy it again. If it yeah, it's only last a couple of weeks. Yeah, right. Yeah, and then lots of batteries and chargers. And then uh, we uh, there was a collection of GoPros, like Rada brought in a GoPro and right. Christian brought in GoPros. There somewhere I have the photo that I should post on Instagram or something. Of all, uh, we put out like the general call on Basecamp to like whoever has photography gear, like bring it in because we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna do we're some making a movie. <laughs> My dad's got a great barn. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and the pile of equipment that showed up the next day from everybody. Was yeah, it was somehow we like most of us had bought into Canon. Yeah, and so there was just a just a horde of lenses and batteries and yeah, it was yeah, pretty pretty surprising. Yeah, yeah. it was pretty great. Yeah. All right. So I got through that one. Unless there's anything else, I'm gonna hand over to one of you guys to dig us into the next topic, which is we're going. We're heading into productivity software. So uh, the first piece of productivity software that I want to talk about today is Basecamp, which sort of forms the backbone of our overall um, workflow mapping. Maybe is a word for it. <clears throat> Discussion capturing. We'll get into it a little bit. Mm -hmm. So. A little bit about what Basecamp is for the uninitiated. Basecamp provides sort of an environment for us to create projects. Yep. Which is great because that's what we do here is create projects. Uh, and then each project has a sort of specialized tool set that it generates. So there's like a message board. There's like a chat room. There's a, Which they call a campfire. Which they call a campfire. Mm -hmm. It's all very camping themed. Yeah. Um, there's like a file storage, like what, what my 
crusty ass would call like, oh, it's your FTP repository. <laughs> um, but apparently they do it all in browsers now. <laughs> uh, and then it has a sort of rudimentary like schedule, calendar, uh, something, something. Mm. Yeah. It has some to-do lists. You yeah. can forward, um, you can forward things into, you can forward emails or email chains into it. Uh, and then it, asks questions automatically and that sort of goes with the ethos of the company behind it that uh, they found that sort of just like asking questions and prompting discussion was very effective to them uh, just in them developing even this base camp software which was kind of cool um, and then it's great for us because it also you can invite clients to it and we can control what they see and don't see so whenever we like so they don't see our discussion about what the best Metallica album is, but they do see updates on their various projects. And so they can see some like behind the scenes footage of us like wiring up enclosures or testing the machines. Yeah. Um, or even if we have questions, we can be like, hey, we've been discussing this. We're going to go ahead and transfer like the latest screen grabs and uh, the pointed questions from the design team to the client through this platform, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And I think that's... Like, because we use it as you're saying, right? It's well, I guess uh, let me pop the stack a couple. The, so it's all project based, like you said. So you in there, each thing, each project gets its own area or a little base camp um, that has all those tools, and we have a ton of them, right? Like, because we had to, we came up with like a little number coding system to name them. So like we have like a, a one dash something. Right, Basecamp is a right. product. Basecamp is a it's like a it's like a project that requires the whole company to work on sort of thing, right? And then two are stock products. I'm I'm cribbing off Cody's screen. Oh, right there now. you go. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. two stock products. Two is stock products. Two is stock products, and then three is like shop projects. Shop projects within shop stuff, and then four marketing endeavors that require shop support. Oh, yeah, I guess that is what that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so we have this, like, scheduling system, or not scheduling, but just, like, a coding system, because you end up with, we have do literally dozens. So you, when you, like, first go into the Basecamp, like, homepage, you end up having this giant list of projects. And what we found quickly, after even less than a year, I think, of using it, was just like, oh, it's really hard to find stuff in there. And so that kind of helped segment the list a bit, which was... A simple way to do it, but pretty uh, effective. Um, and then the the other thing I wanted to mention there was just that the um, all of those tools you can turn per project, you can turn them on or off. So if you have a project, that, a base camp that doesn't need a to do list, like you can just turn it off and declutter that interface. Yeah, there's also teams too that are separate from projects, which are kind of like projects, but they're just slightly like how hierarchically different, right? It's right. Like a yeah. persistent repository of information, which I think is super useful because projects always have like a temporal component. They end and they go away. Teams, right. I think. But it has all the same persistent. tools, right? It's all the it's same. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's just like same. a semantic thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And then the base company, base camp too, which is also just a project too. Right. Yeah. Right. The but base yeah. camp is yeah. developed by people using Basecamp to talk about Basecamp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some of the cool, one of the biggest challenges, I think, is how I would probably start to phrase this, is implementing a piece of software 
in our sort of corporate culture, in our like intellectual space. And so Basecamp is really a communications platform, I think is the way that I would describe it as succinctly as possible. And so some of the challenges are about how do we communicate through Basecamp's various means of communication. They're like private messages called pings. There's the campfire, which is like a chat room. And then there are message board threads, which um, hopefully most of our listeners are familiar <laughs> with from back in the day. Right. And I would say the message, the campfires are, are a little bit more kind of slackish in their nature. Yeah. Right? Like it's just a stream that swings by. It's not threaded in any way. Right. It's just right. a, and so there's a little bit of a question about, well, what is a thought? If I have a thought, is it something that I should ping to the interested parties? Is it something I should throw in the campfire just so that tagged individuals can see it? Or tagged individuals are alerted to its presence, but anyone can see it. And it's sort of a passing thought or something like that that doesn't maybe necessarily need to be captured in a thread on a message board. Or do I make the message board thread? Right. And so we internally discuss that a lot, right? Like how do I get too many, do I get so many pings that I feel like the decisions that are made in private conversations are like leaking out into the world at large and people don't have any like visibility or opportunity to offer input and sort of feel out of the loop, which is a problem we encounter with our remote employees, especially like Cody, who when he's not here recording podcasts is in his Bedroom in New York City. Indeed, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think that's an interesting thing. So what, like, I think it's really, the. I think where we started was a lot of people were using pings, right? Because it's like, hey, I want to say a thing to Steve. I want to say a thing <laughs> to Cody. Like, I'll just ping him, right? Um, but then quickly those conversations turn into, like, chat and you might just start with like a personal chat or something or have like one quick like hey did you finish that file blah 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 whatever um but quickly quickly you start talking about stuff that probably involves other people too or at least they may want to know about what you're talking about and so stuff gets it becomes kind of just as bad as email at that point where it's like just siloed in your little personal chat and then we're so one of the things we have in our onboarding doc is like don't use, not don't use, but like prefer campfires to pings. If it's like a thing that you're not really what, ready to ta have draw out into a big message thread discussion, do it in a campfire so that everybody can see that talk instead of just you and one other person. Because you, you never know who might also be interested in the thing that you guys are talking about. How, what do you guys think about, what do you think, Cody, about the, like, how, what do you prefer? Where do you, where do you start when you're like, hey, I want to talk to somebody about it? I think I, well, I have a, a bit of an interesting experience. Like Steve said, since I'm not on site, right. like the crosstalk across the aisle of like the office of talking about stuff where someone could literally hear you. Like sometimes I feel like if I ping someone, I have like, oh, I have a question. I'm just going to discuss an idea. Like if I post something in a campfire or in a message board, that discussion happens here. Yeah. Across in person. <laughs> right, right, right. And then people just go off and make decisions and have like thoughts and feelings that don't exist in the digital space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it comes back and like, we had a really good talk in the office and we decided all the things about your project <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> without any of your We've input. changed it pretty significantly, so you're going to need to catch up. <laughs> but we, we did draft a to-do list for you, so that'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I have an interesting perspective. So I do try and... Sometimes if I'm just trying to be more targeted, I definitely will stick in pings because then it like will 
have to come back to me in some way or <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Oh cool. We should hop on a call about this or we should talk about it. Right. Um, so that is an interesting struggle that I think is separate from just the structure of base camp. Cause I think you guys described it pretty well. Like campfires are kind of thoughts that are passing or developing that you can kind of build. And then if they get, big enough then you move them to a message board or right you need to Where it's really threaded and kind of a yeah that whole conversation is tracked right because scrolling through the list of a campfire to find it, a piece of information oh, is no yeah. good yeah, i was waiting for my moment to be like i hate campfires <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah, there you yeah. Go. but yeah, but that, but honestly because of that like i i don't know i have a very like organizing systematizing brain and so like i love message board threads because i know the category of it Right, like, right. Oh, this is what people are going to talk about. If it's here. titled well. Yeah. It's got to be titled well. No, that's well. fair too. Because there's also, and I agonize over that too, because I'm like, I want this to be broad enough to encompass whatever scope this might turn into. Right. But also specific enough that when I have to reference this conversation later. I but I also think of is. message to boards kind of like Unix command line tools. Like they should do one thing. Ooh, go slower. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm listening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they should do one thing. It should be very small and it should do it very well. Right. Like if the message, cause sometimes we'll get like a message thread that's like 30 replies long. And I'm like, yeah, you lost me. I don't and know. And it will. And it just goes into it's, it, you can't stay on. We as a company can't stay on task for 30 message board posts. We just can't. No, I think we will I, move somewhere else. If it has that many messages, we have, we should have broken off. It's, it's like clean code. It's like, no, nope, this should be too, this should be a new, this should be a new function. <laughs> yeah. It should. I mean, I think that we sometimes fall victim to those 30 message threads because like what we really need is like a production meeting, like, or like, or <laughs> well, a meeting a for point. a thing like, yeah, yeah. Hey, there's a lot of things happening in this and I'm, I'm trying to catch up and this is all just hop on a Google hangout or That's whatever a, yeah. to catch up. Cause yeah. Sometimes it goes the other direction where then you post one thing and then there's one comment and then you go back and they're like, Oh, I have to post another thing. And then you go to a completely new thread and then there's like six threads for the same oh, strong the same update or the mostly yeah. interrelated threads. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you're like, Oh, which one of those was that one really important comment in versus like, ah, I guess if it was all just stuck in the same right. yeah. thread, I could find it. Right. And then it is, it is a case of like everyone has to buy into that organizational structure because to Cody's point, if like like today I had an idea mm-hmm. about a piece or I was talking about trade show gear and I had made like a well, what I thought was a well-crafted message board thread to be like, hey, these are the things that we are going to build for an upcoming trade show. And then Rada like was like, all right, cool. I'm going to make a new message board post about this <laughs> specific thing and some ideas I have. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. Right. I was cool, like, maybe that should have gone to the... The one that I started. The one that I started. I like I that, crafted that. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But then I think I probably, you know, it was probably too much of like a garbage collector. Oh function. yeah. Too many things in there. It had three main points, and that could have been three separate threads. Yeah. But I, I whiffed it. Communication's yeah. hard. If we just knew exactly what all the communication was before we had to share it, then we could yeah. just organize it accordingly. Right. <laughs> right. But I think also like we are getting better at that making that call like Cody mentioned to be like, let's, we have like, we are averse to meetings because they really do sap productivity and it's way too easy for a meeting that needed five people to answer the one question and then very quickly be a meeting of two people that everyone else is spectating. And that sucks. Yeah. Like both, it sucks to be in 
and it sucks to like waste so many people's time on it. But I think we're getting better at being like, well, let's bring all the stakeholders together, make the decision, and then break the meeting and be re like be ready to eject everyone from it as quickly as possible, so you can get back to doing the thing. Mm. We're it's in progress though, for yeah. sure. Like it, we're not good at it, but we at least know that it's a problem. <laughs> the first step <laughs> right. is admitting you have a problem, right? Yeah, it's always that balance too, because when if you're used to the world of we have all the meetings and everyone, it's a free flowing information sort of thing, and then all of a sudden the decision is made to start cutting, making those lines, and then you're mm -hmm. like, oh wait, but. I was on, I care about that. And you're like, ah, oh, well, we decided that we're the stakeholders. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it gets tricky. The other thing I was going to say about the, about pulling back a little bit from the campfires and the messages, because I was very strong proponent of like, just get everything out in the open, is that I think sometimes, especially in the message threads, people get more formal and sometimes more defensive, like when they know that they're kind of like in the arena, right? Where it's like, mm -hmm. everybody's watching me and I'm going to defend my point. Right. And you're like, yeah, then maybe that's like, uh, that might just be better as a ping. It might just be better. It's probably mm -hmm. actually honestly best as a phone call, pick up the phone, talk to somebody. Cause like almost nobody's as much of a dick on the phone as they are like in the written word. And when people start to get like amped up, mm -hmm. it's like, nah, let's tone it down, tone it down. We're all like on the same team. Like you both have very good ideas. Everyone's trying to get the same thing done. There's just a slight difference of opinion. Like don't, don't get all, don't get your hackles up. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I've kind of pulled back a little bit that myself. Like, yeah, so yeah, sometimes it's better not to do it as a message thread. Maybe that is, a, you know, it's not clear cut. Communication is hard. Communication but, is hard. Yeah. But anyway, moving on from that stuff, um, yeah, so as you can tell, like the, our our bullet point there was figuring out how to communicate, and we haven't yet, but that <laughs> it's definitely a work in progress. I think we actually do honestly a pretty good job at it, um, but there's always room for improvement. Just before the podcast, we were talking about how do we navigate, right? You have all this, all these conversations and pings and campfires and documents whizzing around. How do you figure out which one do you look at? So, and I think Cody and I we're on the same page. That yeah. Yeah, we look at the there's a stream called your haze, which is hey with an exclamation point, which is just every like things that are happening on Basecamp, and they notify you whenever they're happening if you are subscribed or everyone's subscribed by default on almost everything. So you're it's just what's happening right. as a stream of it's like a lightly curated list yeah, of like good. company goings on. But if you were on, like, as I was just saying, if you un, were unchecked from a notification stream, it wouldn't show up in your haze. Correct. Yeah. yeah. But I use that same thing too. Like I, I check my haystack and say <laughs> like a needle in the haystack, I guess, but the different kind of hay. I look at all the haze and see like, I see things where somebody just subscribed me to a message versus somebody actually tagged me, like mm -hmm. added me in a uh, message. And those get the higher priority looks right. for me. Yeah, like if I'm specifically mentioned over just... Subscribed. Yeah. Yeah. Like some repair is happening somewhere. But that's different than you, Steve, because you were saying... Yeah, I, uh, I have yet to embrace the haystack. I just look at the activity view, which is just like... Turn the fire hose on, baby. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I never go there. Uh -uh. Everything that happens, I want it. I want to know. <laughs> and honestly, yeah. not, like so much of my, of 
of what I do involves like catching these weird moments that go by, even if I'm not necessarily subscribed to things or whatever. Uh, I guess that just makes me like a habitual interloper. Mm-hmm. I really need to move to the haystack though, because there's one huge issue with the activity view, which is it batches campfire messages. And so if, if there's like a good discussion going on in the campfire, I won't know about it for I think four ish hours. Two to four hours, I think, where it like, oh. and then it'll pop it into the activity feed to be like, hey, these 18 people were talking in the campfire. Because that shows up in the haze. Yeah, for sure. And that's yeah. what I mean, yeah. is that I need to embrace the haystack. Yeah. Because every so often there'll be a question like, hey, are we, you know, like, it didn't show up on this sales order, but we need, are we shipping X? And someone will be like, yeah, sorry, I forgot it. And then I'll be quietly like doing something else the whole day and then be like, oh, <laughs> well, that's on a truck now. <laughs> so glad we discussed it here. <laughs> and the Hayes have a little, they have like a notification badge, a little red circle, and you can either have or not have the number of unread notifications. And it freaks me out when I go to somebody's desk and they have the little number off and it's just a red badge. Mm-hmm. It, uh, once upon a time, I did open the haystack and I cleared everything out and I had a number for a while. Uh, that was it. That's the end of my story. <laughs> back. I think it's just because they can't render a three-digit number. <laughs> it the, falls out. Yeah, exactly. The they just they're like, ah, oh, just give them the circle. But that's what gives me the guidance about like wh- how much stuff has happened since I last looked at Basecamp because I don't keep it open all the time because that just gets for me it gets too distra- distracting. So like I set aside moments where I like go back in. Oh wow. really? Yeah. Yeah, I have it just. It's always on there. one of the monitors. Oh yeah. Yeah, like my. Right, vertical monitor. I don't it's do just that. Just watching the stream go camp. by. No, yeah. yeah, I turn it. I I close it. I close my email too because I find that both of those things, like, it is if I if I am if I it is always open. I'm always looking checking at it, it. Yeah, and then I'm not mm-hmm. getting stuff done. That is an interesting productivity tip that I currently don't do, but I could see some tremendous value in because yeah. I'm in that world. I have like desktop notifications on for. It drives me crazy. Email for yeah. Basecamp, mm. and it does bleed so much of my day because I'm not, I'm not like defragging my day where I'm like, all right, this is email time. Let me respond to all yeah. these emails. I do that with email. Yeah, yeah. email is just too much. I, yeah, yeah, I've stopped with email, but I leave Basecamp <laughs> open. Yeah, I mean, but I also get buzz. I I will get a notification on my wrist though too. Mm. Like with my Apple Watch about my for Basecamp notes. So if somebody, at, which only shows up if somebody ats me, right? Oh, okay. So if somebody ats me, then it'll poke my yeah. wrist. Does like, it show pings? Do you get pings on that or no? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anything that is like Gareth targeted. Like Gareth targeted, then I'll get a notification and I can do a quick little preview and be like, oh, I care about that. Don't care about oh that. Oh my God. I do that. I do that all the time with my phone for emails though, as I will be like, all right, I want to read the first line of yeah. this email before I want to know if I, I want to open it. I never care about emails. No, me neither. I, yeah. They're unimportant. It's interesting. I keep my base camp at, you know, z- my haystack zeroed out yep. pretty much always. And my email, which I used to be habitual about, is just gotten is it just a, a nightmare now, which oh, yeah. is maybe why I also close it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a whole lot of unread emails. <laughs> Get rid of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm contemplating taking myself off of the support email triage because, uh, oh. yeah, I'm not ready for that yet because I don't I don't answer many of them anymore. But because uh, we have such excellent support folks, but it uh, 
There's a lot of email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was like a casual, half casual question right when I started back up. I was like, oh, do you want to be on the support list? And I was like, no, I think I'm, <laughs> I think I'm all, I think I'm, I'm good on that. If you need me, add me. But if not, then I will let I that will. just yeah. flow by. I, uh, and then we'll CC yeah. me if I'm needed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I today turned off. I realized that ring central, our phone provider released a new app and like kind of end of life, the ancient one I was using. And so for like on the desktop or the on the phone, phone. on my Android. Okay. And so there was like a two month period where I just stopped getting support calls Mm. and I was like, Oh, that's weird. I should probably look at that. But so many other things came up. And then today I was like, "Ah, I really got to fix it. Someone had posted on Basecamp about, you know, homogenizing our settings and that there were errors in like making sure all of the support technicians got, phone calls during the right hours and stuff like that. Well, last Friday we were like mm-hmm. sitting around after work having a drink and my phone was ringing on support and the two support guys sitting with me, their phones weren't ringing. And I was yeah, like, they were just hey, we should, uh, let's look into that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, well, Mike is getting all the support calls in New York. Yeah. And so, uh, so that happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mike had and, a few words yeah. about that. Yeah. Right. And so I updated mine and then today I was like, oh, God. Everyone has so many problems. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then on the, you had a note here too about the the Basecamp company checking out their sweet ebooks. Was that you, Cody, that mentioned that? No, that was Steve. That was yeah, that was me. I uh, in my spare time, I read ebooks about productivity management. Yeah, uh, and Basecamp has thankfully published not only a couple of like treatises on their internal workflow, which is super exciting for me to read, but they also published their employee handbook, which uh, is different than our employee handbook. And it's just I don't know. It's sort of like a like how the other half lives situation. Yeah. Like uh, Pete Veal and I talk about this a lot. Like he read the uh, the Southwest Airlines like dossier mm. of um of like how does that how's that airline run like how do they do so well despite bucking so many trends that other airlines are adopting um and so anyway, all that to say i would definitely i think their blog is called signal signal, signal versus, versus noise, noise yep. which is mm. really i have found it to be really good but it is very good yeah. Any, yeah, anyone good. anyone that has to like manage projects yeah. and i say that in as loose terms as possible could probably benefit from taking a peek at it. And did you, so did you read rework then? And mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be crazy at work. And yeah. what's the first one? I don't know if I read the first one. I read the first one way back when. Yeah. Cause I, I, I read rework when it, uh, when they announced, they were like, Hey, look, we have a book. We have another book out. I don't remember what the first one was called though. But anyway, but DH and, and David Hanemeyer Hansen is the, also the creator. I mean, he's the CTO of Basecamp, but he's also the, creator of Ruby on Rails, which mm-hmm. is a pretty awesome framework. If you're into Ruby, it was never really my jam, but I did get a like uh, a Rails conference once, RailsConf. Mm, once. Nice. And I was trying to get into it, trying to get into Ruby on Rails for OTS, which we're going to t- touch on next or soon. Soon, um, eventually. But yeah, they've got a bunch of good stuff. And uh, um, do you guys listen to their podcast too, the Rework podcast? No, I down. have. I did not know about that. No. Oh, you should check out their podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I will have to. Good stuff. Yeah. I don't yeah. really like podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Bunch Just kidding. of nerds talking about software and stuff. <laughs> All right. So let's dig into the good stuff, right? So we've we've waffled on a bit about it. So mm-hmm. uh, good good points about 
uh, Basecamp. I think the number one good point is that it archives our thoughts. So many times, yeah. like we design something or we have like, a, like, oh, it obviously has to work like this for this reason. And then two weeks go by and someone's like, hey, why are we doing it that way? And it is, it's just a dial tone in my head. I'm like, I got nothing on this, but I knew. And usually it's because like somebody else is coming into the on-ramp yes. like mm-hmm. later, right? Right, it's exactly. Like like you got on an exit fucking 10 and somebody else is now getting on an exit 18 and they're like, wait, why is the traffic going this way? Like, mm-hmm. oh, we're heading to St. Louis. Let me catch up to speed, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Right, exactly. Like normally like the Go design. Go back and read this post. Right. The design team has like coalesced around an idea and they're going to do it. And then someone from fabrication looks at it. And again, we have driven individuals that take ownership and they're like, I have an opinion. I don't think this is right. Why are we doing it this way? And then it's usually like, well, if you read through this rationale, like it makes more sense from a support perspective or it makes more sense from a design perspective or a controls perspective or whatever. Yeah. Or sometimes you right. look at it and you're like, no, oh, well, this was the reason why we had, but it wasn't as good as your reason now. Yeah, exactly. So, like, right. uh, you should change that. Change that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's the other half is that, again, in Basecamp, we can just go to that post and be like, hey, guess what? We had another conversation and we learned. Or we'll go back into that first, like the that's first kickoff and, and edit the original strike post through. and strike through. Yep. Like, yeah, yeah. This is updated with new information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. I think that is great. Yeah. I think the transparency and like getting the clients in and talking with us and collaborating with us. Cause sometimes you end up just sending out blasts of emails and you're kind of into the void versus like, Oh, Hey, let's get the client in here. I'm sure as all strong as our opinions are, I bet the client has more strong opinions. Right. You can have them all kind of coalesce into like a conversation uh, and sharing of ideas that's, I think, a little bit more friendly and collaborative than, like, an email space. Right. Yeah. No, I think so, too. And I, we when we do the weekly updates on, like, a custom project, I always really enjoy those where we kind of coalesce everything that we've done over the last week and, like, get some pictures and some notes and, like, chuck them up there, and then the client can come back and be like, you know, either, I mean, usually they're just very happy. They're just very happy to see, like, hey, that that <laughs> you guys are actually working on my thing, and this is what's going on. And, Right. Um, but like you said, it's kind of, it, it gets them more involved in the process and also gives them an opportunity to raise a flag if we're heading down a bad path for some reason. Right. Yeah, definitely. I like the to-do lists a fair amount in there. Like when I'm the few times that I'm doing kind of riding herd over a project, I dig the to-do list personally because um, it's an easy way to like have high visibility on the what's like a punch list for the project, whether it's in the, and I'd like to do like a design to-do list and a fab to-do list or a what, purchasing to-do list. And then they added the groups feature within to-do list recently, mm-hmm. which is like just having one more level of hierarchy in there is nice. And then you can tag people on a to-do item, which is cool. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's really nice. Like I like structuring a project from the beginning. You're like, mm, well, these are the three designers on this and, one of us is going to get to it. Let me just start with put everybody on it. And then as the thing starts to form, you can like put it into another group and change who's doing it yeah. and like update and push around. And if you can you, attach documents to, right, to do exactly. and pictures and yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Which I love that. It's and like developed enough that it's helpful and useful, but like simple enough that you can move things around and it's really flexible. Right. And it, anybody in the company can get a hold of it like right. and like add something to it and manipulate it. And it's not over, it's not overwrought. 
in the groups, I thought was a big improvement to have just a little more hierarchy in there. Like, cause mm-hmm. prior to groups, we would just make other checkbox tasks that are like asterisk, 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 like <laughs> yeah, it was like here's an, a an, section <laughs> header asterisk. asterisk, yeah. asterisk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which, you know, or just blank ones, like adding white space. Right. <laughs> it was very Emacs. Oh, right. Um, and then if you add due dates to the to dues, they show up on the schedule. And if the schedule didn't suck so bad, that would be great. <laughs> we'll get to <laughs> that. Spoiler alert. <laughs> the schedule kind of sucks. <laughs> the schedule kind of sucks. All right. Um, and so then the bad stuff, I think the bad stuff, well, the first two things, not the first two things. We have three things on this list and two of them are forked around a middle thing. But the first and the third thing, which are where are my freaking Gantt charts and then the schedule would be better as a calendar. I think my biggest complaint with Basecamp, I'm interested to hear your guys' thoughts on this, but my biggest complaint is that the schedule blows. Like I, I would, it would be so much Basecamp 2 where you use Basecamp 3, but Basecamp 2 had just a, a kind of poor man's implementation of Google Calendar and I would find that to be so much more useful than what is in there now, which is just, you basically get the agenda view of a calendar where it just, you have a vertical list. Everywhere you have a date on the schedule, it just shows up as a line, but you see no representation of days around that item. And should you have to change a date, which kind of happens all the time, right? Like it is a... You want to just be able to like kind of grab a slider on a calendar and push it around, but instead you have to like go in, click on the thing, hit the drop down, (laughs) hit the drop down, change the date, and then it always like that editing process gets weird. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so that's my biggest complaint is that the schedule is almost unusable. I end up just putting milestone dates in there, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I would love to be able to have like the fabrication zone in there and the design zone in there, but I never do it in Basecamp because it. Editing it and adjusting it is so freaking painful. And you can't see one schedule. Uh, I have more to say about this than I thought. And you can't see one <laughs> schedule laid over another laid schedule. Laid over another, right. Like, I, have a, I have a project management software that you know shows me 80 projects that we're working on, and I have no view to show me how do these projects interrelate to each other, how many due dates are stacking up right on top of each other. And that drives me bananas. Yeah, it's tedious and it makes it so tedious that you have to like pull yourself. You have to abstract from any level of specificity because you'd be constantly servicing the calendar and spending all <laughs> right. the time servicing the calendar that what it, do you do? It, I'm is, a base camp calendar. Actor. <laughs> yeah, right? like, the, yeah. It becomes devoid of information that's valuable. Cause you're like, we are making a thing. And then, yeah, like you said, milestones is really what you get. Like, yeah. Build starts. Right. Commissioning. And that's all I date. use is yeah. basically yeah. is I'll look at the calendar and I'll be like, when does this ship? And so that's useful to me to communicate to the rest of the group when I think these things have to be done. And that has been very successful. Like just on the most recent project with for Titusville, like just going in there and blasting in some dates really helped kind of set the pace. But it doesn't help me create the plan. I have to go right. create the plan like on a calendar, like Google Calendar <laughs> or a paper calendar, like anywhere other than Basecamp, and then translate those into milestones on the Basecamp thing. Yeah. And it does have like a calendar, like a mini calendar view, but it just shows you a dot. dot. <laughs> Something's <laughs> happening on March 25th, Something's guys. Happening. Could be just like, you know, water delivery. It might be the ship date. You don't know. Click Who's on it. Find see? out. And as soon as you click on that date, you'll disappear everything Yeah, everything else. previously. Yep. Yeah. 
Like not, you can't plan a calendar with it. No. So that sucks. I wish that were better by a lot. <laughs> by a lot. Yeah. yeah. And I could get, so you wrote Steve, like where are my freaking Gantt charts? And I could yeah. do without a total full blown Gantt chart like yeah, that. Yeah. That's okay. I, I'm no Gantt fan. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> philistines but no honestly like the google calendar view is super great and i remember in one of our previous swings at a at a like what do we work on management software we did was it harvest do you remember harvest it was harvest yeah i dug that because it was great it's like a daily google calendar and you just drag the boxes around to be like hey i actually only worked four hours on this instead of five or whatever and then it like <laughs> Second beer opening, All right? Which was nice. Which I thought was nice. Yeah. And so, like, I'm not, I'm not married to Gantt charts, but I do love them. No, I, <laughs> I like them as well, as long as they're not too detailed. Yeah. When they, I find that they get over their complexity starts to become cumbersome when they get too detailed. And I would, so I would like it as a, I, which you know, it's just like the, how you implement it, right? Mm-hmm. Which is fine. So if we had them in Basecamp, that'd be great. If we had just a calendar, that'd be great. What we have right now is it's no good. It's no good. It's just a, yeah, it's a sad agenda. It's a sad agenda. Mm-hmm. It's it's only slightly less useful than paper, <laughs> in my view. Like I could fax a fucking schedule around and feel more productive. Didn't we for a brief time have like a big paper schedule on the wall? We totally mm-hmm. did have a. You're absolutely yeah. right. We used to have a physical Kanban board, and then we added a paper timeline above it to to flag important milestones and that was more useful that was good <laughs> that was more useful than the base right. schedule it, it wasn't for me <laughs> <laughs> in new york <laughs> that is we, also true we like, did put a webcam which in is front of why we abandoned we, we it flirted with the idea of training a webcam on the kanban board so mm-hmm. that people could like yeah. watch the feed and see what status things were in but then we ended up just adding some features to ots yeah so which does lead us to yeah. OTS, uh, which for those of you not in the know is some inventory management. Well, originally was an, was like an inventory management solution that Gareth himself developed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we'll do a quick history lesson with that. Oh yeah, sure. I can do that. Yeah. Let me, tell me, tell me a story. <laughs> yeah. Old man Connor story. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I first started, I was doing all of the bill of materials for every product just in Excel spreadsheets as God intended, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, back in 2004, I really wasn't sure how long anything was going to last. So it was like, I'm not going to invest too much time in this because chances are in six months I'm going to be looking for a job again. So let's not go crazy. But then um, about a year into it, it became apparent that I was at least going to be spending another year doing this. And it was the purchasing was driving me batty because I would get an order in. I'd have to try to do some sort of collection of, you know, take a an Excel dump of what is the bill of materials versus what do I have on the shelf? So I'd have a separate, separate spreadsheet that had all the component inventory there um, for the last round of purchasing. And it would take me all day, like literally, because you have not even, I don't know, Maybe back then it was a couple hundred parts, if that. But just trying to collate that of like, you know, you don't buy resistors one at a time, right? But you do buy gear motors one at a time. 
And, right. But and, <laughs> and, and like everything has a different order quantity and trying to figure out like, well, I need to have 35 of these pieces, but I ordered a hundred last time, but their X number were used. So I have, you know, I need to get five, but I order them in packs of 20, et cetera, et cetera. Like you can see how that balloons quickly out of control. So I went on a hunt for like, what's an inventory management software built for a super small boutique manufacturing company. Cause this was at this point me. Right. And everything was either like, you're not really a manufacturer. You're just stocking as a wholesaler or mm-hmm. you're somewhere around the scale of GM. <laughs> right. Right. <Yep. laughs> and I was like, I am neither of those things. Like I don't need a full blown like SAP solution. Um, but I can't like QuickBooks inventory back then was pathetic. It was just like, it, it, it didn't handle bills of materials very smartly. Um, so I developed a, um, a database application using <laughs> a real basic. Um, cause I'm a, I got a soft spot for basic style, uh, syntax as, as the folks know, cause like spike mark is all written in vb.net. Um, and the original, uh, Avista was all written in VB6, but I was hellbound that I was not going to be tied to Windows for forever. So real basic back then, which I think now is called Zojo, X-O-J-O. Yeah, it's not a widely used <laughs> development platform. I think, it, I, although I think Lightrite is now developed in it. Oh. If I if I can pull that one out, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, it's a Visual Basic esque kind of development. Uh, system, uh, so language plus IDE, and you can't tease the two apart, like there's no command line compiler, et cetera. Um, but so I developed it in that, and I, with a SQLite database backend. Um, and that, did, uh, that, that worked, that like eliminated, I mean, it, what it got me to, and the original goal was sales orders come in, I enter in what customers wanna buy what products, all of the bills of materials for all those products are kept in the software. And then a component list of all of our shelf inventory is kept in the software. And I can hit the generate purchase orders buttons and it will figure out what things do I need to order from what vendors um, and just dump me out the POs. And so it took my invent- my purchasing from being like an all day affair to like I could do it at 4.30 before the end of the day and be done with all my purchasing. Um, and that was awesome. Um, and then we got more than one person involved. (laughs) (laughs) And so once it became more than just me, um, this was like a desktop only piece of software. It just ran locally on my computer. And so I would still for, uh, for years, I was like the only person that had the software installed and the only person that could like see the inventory and all this other stuff. And that was quite unhelpful. Um, and so, but, but it was also tied to this like kind of quirky, weird <laughs> development <laughs> system, which was a really bad choice. Again, I wasn't really future-proofing like I, back then. I just, it didn't dawn on me that I was ever going to have, you know, a number of people working for me and that the company was going to be at a point where other people were going to need access to the system. But it was at, at the core, it was just a SQLite database. So I was like, well, I could write like a web application that could read the database. So mm-hmm. other people could at least see the information in there. So they could see the sales orders. They could see the, the shelf stock. 
the right aspect of it would still have to be done on the desktop software, but at least we could kind of hold the one database and have two different applications hitting the database at the same time. And so mm-hmm. I, um, but by that point I'd, I'd, I'd now graduated to like, I'm never going to use a quirky little like proprietary <laughs> development system to develop any other software. Um, so I've farted around with like Java. I farted around with Ruby on rails, as I mentioned before, cause Ruby on rails is pretty cool. Um, and none of those things really stuck. Ruby, I think, is awesome, but it just doesn't quite fit my brain the way I like to think, um, whereas Python instead is a much more satisfying development experience. So I developed that uh, web version using Python. One of the things that was great about that system was that I could keep the existing database exactly as is, and then uh, I used SQL Alchemy to hit the database, and then Flask as the web development uh, or the web framework. And so you could kind of piece together. I didn't have to go in whole cloth like you would with Ruby on rails and like Ruby on rails is, it's not impossible to take a legacy database and map the application to it, but it's not really what it's best at doing. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this other stuff was, that's a really long winded way of getting to, yeah, I developed it in a, a read only version in Python and flask. And then, um, slowly but surely like, I, it was complaint driven design. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like as people would be like, I need to be able to do X. I'd be like, all right, I will implement that one feature as a, you know, as read, write in, in the application. And then over the course of like maybe, I don't know, six months or something like that, I pretty much ported over the entire application to, to the web version. And that's what we use now. It runs off a Linode yeah. VPS and, uh, no longer hosted on a decommissioned rental laptop. <laughs> oh my God, I forgot that. <laughs> right. Yeah, for years, we had a ThinkPad where the, that the screen didn't work anymore. And uh, you had the SSH into it. To, <laughs> the SSH into it. To, to, that is to reboot <laughs> our inventory. Right. Yeah, you're right. That it was, was how that worked. Because it was you and it was me who could do it. And so... And every time BSP... Every time Brian was like, oh, OTS is running real slow. You better hit it with the cattle prod. And we yeah. had to FTP into a headless, broken laptop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think it was one day when I was just finally complaint different yeah. design, sick of hearing Brian bitch about it. I was like, fuck it. I am going to go. I'm just going to set up a VPS and get it off of the, off the shop network and put uh-huh. it up on Linode instead. And, uh, and it was literally like grumbling the whole time at your computer. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking show him. <laughs> there. Now it's, I now it's the clouds problem, Brian. <laughs> Reboot the cloud. <laughs> no, yeah. 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 No, you're right. Like, yeah, I didn't want to get anything else done today anyway. I'm yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, no, that's yeah. fucking fine. No, that's great. No, no, I got it. Thanks. It's <laughs> so funny. I did get to miss a pretty sizable chunk of that. I, I was around for you were the only person able to get into OTS. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then came back and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Because there were like a massive debacle where what was in OTS did not match reality. Yeah. And a lot of energy was spent fixing that. Fixing it. But we were like coming up with Excel sheets to display what was like when we do the hard counts on yeah. that. Yeah. And then and then it still didn't match at the end and there was a whole 
Yeah. You couldn't just update like, oh, I'll just enter how many of these are. There are like, no, we got to like, yeah, pull it out at one step more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we've added, I mean, the major features we kind of covered through that little history lesson, but like, so, I mean, massively, massive features are that, it, you know, it handles all of our sales orders. So it keeps track of that stuff and the purchase history for every customer. And that goes back to like 2000. That has legacy data. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, it is literally the same. Oh, I mean, yeah. We, we it's port, the same file. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we ported the application, but the, yeah, the database exactly. file like is the same. same. Um, yeah, so it goes back, uh, like the original, original orders are still like in a, it's a, it's an Excel, uh, like a, well, I think it's a numbers yeah. sheet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cause we had to look that up recently, recently for something. What yeah. was that? It was somebody's old stagehand mini. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's like 0005 or something. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those very, very first ones, the serial numbers aren't in there, but the, Everything else from 2005 forward, all the data is in there. Uh, we added a year ago, two years ago, time tracking. It was like two years ago now. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. No, I think, it, yeah, like a year and a half, a year ago. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, like, I know there are 2018 entries. So. And so this was the conversion from the, so we used to have a giant Kanban, physical Kanban board in the shop that would we would use to track all of our order cards <laughs> through the shop. And with trying to raise visibility to people not in the shop and then also just make better use of our software so we weren't doing so we weren't spending all day printing little index cards and moving them with magnets across a giant board. And actually Christian and I had like one not super late night, but it was like till like eight o'clock or something, like brainstorming the mm -hmm. uh, like how could we well how could we implement this in OTS? And we literally got to a point where we were discussing like how we could implement nestable Kanban board. So like every order would in itself have a Kanban mm -hmm. board inside of it. And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is totally it. This is what we should do. This is what we should do. And then the next morning, 12 hours up, later, <laughs> yeah, like, that's a, that's a terrible, terrible idea. We should not do that. <laughs> and we just came up with the very simple thing of every user in the system, which I think is actually when we implemented users. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, every user in the system can just log in, and say, hey, I'm working on this product. And so every product in the system, you can sign into it, and it just starts, and then you sign out of it when you're done working on it. And it just kind of collects how many hours have been spent working on a product. And then when you build them, it does the simple arithmetic to say, like, well, you put 40 hours towards working to this on this product. You built 10 of them, so it takes four hours a piece to make that product. And that has been, like, a huge, a huge step forward for OTS to be able to see how much time we spend on stuff. Um, all right, I got to move faster here. So part availability, <laughs> I'm getting, you can tell like my passion is really in inventory management. Um, <laughs> uh, so it tracks all the parts, it tracks all the inventory levels, it tracks the, in, the order history for every part. So you can see back to the beginning of time, like how often we've ordered these parts. Um, there was a long time too, where it didn't do that transactionally. Like it would, it, we just had like a count in the software of like, this is how many parts there are. And we'll, we, if you received parts in, it would just do the arithmetic right there on that field and then it would delete. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We stopped doing that. Now there's transactions for everything. So there's just like a, there is a, um, you get like a ledger. Yeah. yeah. What's the, what's the real accounting term for that though? I mean, ledger is a good accounting term, but there's another, 
Ah, like when you look at the history of transactions. A transaction history. talking to a lot of accountants this week. Yeah, I have. (laughs) (laughs) Same thing I do every week. Um, Anyway, uh, purchase orders, and it can generate purchase orders from the sales order list. It preserved that functionality from the original iteration. (laughs) Which is still, it's like big, to my mind, it's primary function. Um, But then we also implemented a, like a calendar-ish view. Uh, Well, not ish view, but like it shows us four weeks on a calendar and it shows us when the orders are supposed to ship. And that is what we actually have on the big 4k display in the shop, right? Mm -hmm. We're actually sitting in front of right now. And that shows us, which it was a big upgrade to the system and replaced the paper timeline. So we could just see this is when the orders have to ship. And because it's web hosted, anyone can see it. Anyone can see it. That is true. I don't go to it. But, but it, you it is nice to, <laughs> to know that, know that could. I could. <laughs> I forget that it's up there sometimes when the morning meeting and you guys are looking at it and pointing at it. I'm like, oh, right, here's that, there's that list. Yeah. And then there's the production matrix, matrix, which predated the calendar view, which I still, well, I don't use it much anymore because I don't pay that much attention. But um, as of the summer, I was still using almost daily, which it just shows you. It's like a pivot table for all the sales orders. So it shows you all of the products that have to be built and shipped out and then columns for the sales order. So like we might have to make 20 stagehand pros, but like three of them are going to that customer, four of them are going to that customer, et cetera. So right. if you're actually making things, that's really handy. Cause you're like, I'm going to go build three of these things. Wait a second. If I'm building three of these, do I need to build any more of them for another order? So, but what it doesn't do is it doesn't help us with the scheduling, really. Like, it shows us the schedule of when the orders have to go out, and it tracks how much time people put into it, but it doesn't allow you to actually, like, map, okay, I know how many hours have to be invested to build that the orders that are out there. Can I now arrange a Gantt chart-like right. thing to show when are what people going to work on the thing? But Which is why we now use... Uh, oh, oh, sorry. I skipped over the bad, though. No, there's nothing bad about it. Well, there's nothing it. bad about yeah. it. Yeah. We made it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, I, let me stop talking and let you guys talk about the bad things. So Steve, you probably dig into these bad things more. I, I, I do stub my toe on these a little bit. One of the sort of the, one of the fun ones, I will say, in terms of things is that we are we are the sole custodians of this code base. And so if there's anything wrong or there's anything suboptimal, it will never get fixed in the next update unless we fix it ourselves yeah so that's true and so like we have a finite amount of resources especially in the programming realm and so like if if you guys are enjoying new spike mark features or stability updates or anything like that our internal software is (laughs) not not getting worked it's not getting better it's the old uh cobbler's children have no shoes yeah exactly right Mm -hmm. exactly (laughs) right um and then there are a couple. So there are a couple of missing features that uh, we have big dreams about, but no, no capacity yet to tackle. Uh, and I think sort of it's really focused around work in progress. So for example, if yeah. we take a PCB and we solder ten resistors onto it, we technically don't have those ten resistors in inventory anymore. They're soldered. They're like physically attached to the circuit right. board. They right. can't be harvested for another you, product. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could. They could, could be, but, but why? But you wouldn't. They're resistors. To. We would man. never want to do just buy more. <laughs> yeah. Right. But so our, from our inventory's perspective, well, you still have those resistors. You didn't sell them to anybody. Right. Creative mm-hmm. Connor still owns these resistors, but they're now like bonded to this sub assembly to the circuit board. Right. And we don't have any good way to. 
Until those two yeah, items. Until that circuit board goes into a finished product and the whole product gets serialized, that those resistors and that circuit board too yeah. all say like, yeah, we still have them. You're like, well, not. I mean, mm, in a way, yes, but only in the sense that they will eventually hit a finished product. Right. They cannot be now divorced and used for something else. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah, you can go down that rabbit hole of like, well, I'll just make a bunch of products. And then you're like, well, there's like 16 products inside of one actual it's thing. Worse than that. It, yeah. Yeah. It's because they can't, you, if you, the way that a product gets kind of taken off the shelf is when you say you've built it and it gets a serial number, but some idiot when designing this thing didn't make it so that you could like have a serialized item inside of another serialized right. item. So you can have a bomb that has kind of babushka doll nested products in there. But then you have to remember not to build any child product. Yeah, right. Only build the top level product. Right. Right. Otherwise, then, otherwise it just assumes that because it, basically it's like a serial number gets sold to a customer and that's it. A serial number can't go into another serialized thing and have that shell, mm-hmm. outer shell sold to the customer, which needs to get fixed because that would because at least then you could do it. Like at right, least then right. you could make sixteen different sub assemblies right. and and track them somehow, which would actually be kind of nice because then you could serialize the circuit board and have that yep. be trackable and traceable and say that went into this thing and whatever. Because right. we we could do that, but then we have to unserialize yes. them. We have to unbuild un- them. Totally, un- which yes. is yeah, it's just awful. And then another little similar to that, like work in progress materials is a big stumbling block. Like for example, if we have in inventory 100 one foot pieces of two inch shaft. We, from an inventory perspective, have 100 feet of shaft, right? right? That math works out. But when we have to make a two foot shaft for, say, I don't know, a spot line or whatever, right? We're boned. Right. We're, or if you've taken all of those one foot yeah. shafts and like machined them down into pipe mounts and anodize mm-hmm. them and yeah. put them on the shelf and they're now all in a bin, You're like you right. can't make them, you can't unmake those. You can't yeah. unmachine them. I can't right. unmachine them, exactly. Yeah. I can't glue them all back together and get the raw material. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what that means is we, there is a degree of blindness that we have in the inventory system that is uncomfortable at times. Usually the worst times. Usually, Usually the, the worst times. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. when you're really busy and you really needed that material. And you're like, yeah. oh, we have it. It's just all in Winstroms that right. aren't in machines right now. Right. So even now, if I if I wanted to instruct someone to be like, hey, can you check stock on Schedule 80 aluminum pipe? They'll be like, oh, we don't have any. And okay. I'm like, oh, that's so weird. OTS says we have three quarters of a stick. And then I'm like, well, but half mm. of that stick is chopped up and is waiting at our anodizer. And half of that stick is like... Unfinished yeah. parts. Yep. Right. And half of it is in a machine that we're just waiting to ship and like, right. I have to keep all that in my head. Or we, waiting to serialize, right? Because if it was really right. waiting to ship, it would, we would hope, yeah, we would have serialized it. Right. Yeah. yeah. But like, yeah. yeah, it's on a machine that's awaiting inspection and the person who built it hasn't serialized it or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's hung yeah. up somewhere. Yeah. It's just not complete. It's, yeah. 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 It's a work in progress. A work in progress. Work yeah. In progress. And then also, like, piggyback on that, like when you're trying to, like prototype or make some new thing, you're like, oh yeah, we've got that. We have a showstopper base, but it's not really because it's the prototype that's stuck on some plywood. So you're like, oh yeah, we can ship that. You're like, it's not really that, but then we're making another part that's a 
prototype and then you end up like making bombs for bombs for bombs and you're like mm-hmm. that one connector is using 10 part like 10 products you're like it's like five prototypes of that product and five real products mm. and it's all it's not good it's true it's right and good. then if and again it's a manual system so if you're not fastidious about keeping your counts yeah. up to date if someone is like oh yeah 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 i melted like five of those xlr uh connectors accidentally so i just grabbed new ones out of inventory and then it still thinks we might have those if you don't manually update it and say i i think that's yeah that part though like i don't there's no Mm-mm. Mm-mm. there's no fixing that like no. i don't know I, like at some point there's a that's a garbage in garbage out problem right, right. Yeah. of like if you don't but it doesn't stop the complaints. No, yeah. it does not stop yeah. the complaints. It turns well, out not, when someone complains to you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Turns out telling someone that it's their fault is not good tech support. <laughs> no. Why'd, you, other, why'd you do it like that? My only other thing that with OTS that threw me off is that I didn't know the right name for it until quite recently because I assumed it was like what's on the shelf. Yeah. And it's off the shelf, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that totally threw me for a loop because I just no. call it OTS. Yeah. It, w- it. I always wanted it to be on the shelf, but that domain was taken. Oh. Um, <laughs> so it's off the shelf. Huh. <laughs> I didn't know that till now. Yep. Yep. That's yeah. Because there was a like a time in my life when I was like, yeah, someday I'll like polish this up and be like, you know, this will be a software product that we actually, you know, like a software as a service thing for other small manufacturers that we and that's still, you know, in my very, very hazy dreams exists out there as a potential business opportunity. But uh, it's like, yeah, I don't think there's time in the day for that. We're <laughs> just going to make some automation equipment instead. But those, the lack of the scheduling ability in particular is what brings us to our next topic, which is Reich. Yeah. So uh, Reich spelled W-R-I-K-E, not R-E-I-C-H to not get that kind of podcast oh, God. crowd oh yeah. yeah i never even thought of that that's a terrible name so <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, and so the, the question that probably even the audience is thinking at this point is why 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 are we using another piece, piece of, product of software yeah. yeah uh and the answer is because we're all giant tech nerds and obviously this <laughs> one is the best and we've developed very strong opinions from watching youtube videos but in reality it was it was inspired by the noble pizza purveyors of this fine nation Right. The Domino's Pizza Tracker has served as an inspiration to me for many years now. But honestly, the idea of saying, hey, your order is in, uh, and now it's working. Now we're working on it. Now it's in the oven. Now we're letting it cool for a second in the box. And now it's in a car heading to you is nice. And like lots of manufacturing companies have that level of communication with yeah. the customers and it roughly automated. And we're still a little boutique in our manufacturing uh processes sometimes and so there's a we're it can't be thoroughly automated like oh yes three weeks after your order comes in we are you know packaging your washing machine or whatever right but the goal was to let customers know what's going on at a more granular level like Basecamp is great for like the design conversations and the weekly updates but for like stock products when someone's like oh I want a push stick when you know yeah, how can we better like figure out really forecast the the shipping deadline, the mm-hmm. shipping date of an, an order? And for that part, I think it's done fairly well internally, although we haven't exposed it externally well at all. Um, and there are just 
It is a giant set of Gantt charts, right? Is the biggest. It, it's really mm-hmm. just like a giant database, right? Yeah. And it's it's just visualized every, mostly as Gantt charts. Mostly as Gantt charts. Well, Gantt charts it's, or calendars. Every the cool yeah. thing about it is that you can design all sorts of different viewports into this database. And so, like, I love Gantt charts, uh, and so I see most things as Gantt charts. We right. have people that enjoy calendars, and they'll see it more as like a calendar. And we have people that are very tabular. They'll see it as a table. Right. Um, and so that's pretty, that I think is a really cool thing about it is that with investment, which I think is really the key, the key here, you can make it do kind of whatever. It can show you the information however you want to be shown within, well, I mean, with all sorts of weird caveats like any piece of software, but but without an investment of effort, it is dense. Yeah. And it is hard to... It's not a thing that you kind of bop in and out of. Right. Right. Yeah. And so we've we've struggled a little bit with that because it's also like it is trying to edge into that realm of Basecamp where it's like, hey, you could, there's like a Slack for each task and you can like throw documents in and whatever. Right. Uh, and so sort of what I, what I have done to try and curtail that is to basically just when something is done, it goes away. It's deleted. It's gone. So Rike should really only be for things like... Ooh, I ran out of connectors. Can you order some more things that like can be lost to the sands of time and we will not be sad about. So any like design decisions or anything like that are going to go in base camp. And then Reich is just tasks, tasks. Mm-hmm. It is yep. just production labor. Yep. And uh, so it's, yeah, it's a way for us to kind of gather all of our tasks, forecast them mm-hmm. out on a schedule. And I think that it works, it works well on some of those things. And then I think that yeah, it's biggest, Achilles heel is just that for those of us that don't live in it, it gets, well, two things. One is it, it's dense to do, it tends to, to navigate. Mm-hmm. But then the other thing is that it's yet another system that we yeah. have that kind of has to be manually kept in sync between Basecamp, mm-hmm. OTS and Reich now. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's so, there's so much density and like doing to like needle down to that information that you're trying to find. It's just not readily exposed in the way that any of our other tools are. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is I'd love to see, you know, someday it would be great to integrate that with one of the other tools so right. that, that becomes the like mm-hmm. inside of OTS or or so, somewhere. I mean, just so that it's one less thing to Right. To and do. we've, I mean, we've talked about it. Like yeah. Reich has an API and Basecamp has an API and OTS we own so we can kind of do whatever we want with it. And that's a goal, but again, yeah. it's just one of those like hours in the day situations. Cause again, because it's like a manual thing, yeah. a decent amount of, if I want, uh, if I want good information in Reich for everyone to see, it takes a non-trivial amount of effort in it. Right. Because there is a level of granularity, right? Like we were stubbing our toe on the fact that like, if we told someone to build a push stick, it didn't implicitly mean you also have to put it on a pallet and band it and shrink wrap it and pull all the accessories and pack those as well and do all of these things. So we would have like a push stick that's quote unquote done. And then everyone being like, yep, I'm going to move on to the next task. And then someone had to know that it's not really ready to ship. Mm. And also that it is in fact done because you can't necessarily from looking at a completed machine be like, Oh, that's ready to ship versus that is not inspected or that. Right. Yeah. Right. True. So, but that level of granularity makes things get stale real quick. Because, right. like, if the task dependencies get screwy or if someone, like, misses an assignment, then if no one updates it, no one knows that it... Yeah, that it's moved on. Yeah. Yeah. An imperfect system, but it's the... 
Yeah, it's like democracy, right? Right, it's the... Uh, what is it? It's like the... Worst system. system except for everything else. Except for everything else we've mm-hmm. tried. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so moving on. So this will be our last topic, I think, which is good because we're at like 90 minutes in. So we Ooh. should... Woo. This is a good one for your car trip. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, we're going to talk about Sketchpad apps because um, we're all three here sitting, uh, panning through our iPads, um, and we use sketching stuff a lot. Cody, why don't you kick us off with the notability stuff? Oh, notability is uh, kind of, it, it has become my main tool now. Like, I don't know what I did before. Well, I do know what I did before, and it was just lots of pieces of paper. But yeah. notability is, uh, I think, primarily it's a tool for taking notes uh, and yeah, and right. but it's that's a definitely how it's marketed. It's how it's marketed in the name. It's in the, it's na- in the yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. Like that's not a it's not a Sorry. leap. I feel like insulted almost. I'm like, don't don't belittle notability like that. It's not that's just, just notes. For notes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it is by far the best note taking app that I have come across uh, because it's got a lot of features and then it's also really easily exposed and really easy to use um, versus like some so many features, but it's really hard to use right. or the other side where you're like, I can't do anything in here. Right. doesn't have enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's mostly pen based, right? I mean, you can type into it and stuff, but why? You use right. It mostly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I don't use the text at all. Like as yeah. all everything's because it's Apple write. pencil. It, I don't know. Like, to get into my like old man Steve conversation about like, well, you know, hand drafting has so much more personality, but it's kind of <laughs> like that. Yeah. That like, being able to sketch something just a lends it a more freeform aesthetic, uh, and b it's just faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it seems faster, and it's yeah, it's got a personal touch to it. Uh, it's it's pretty nice. It's all vector based, right? Yeah. So everything is adjustable. You can scale it, move it, copy and paste it. Everything is, uh, and you can like select a stroke a, instead a, of just pixels, right? Which correct. I like a lot. I like a lot. Yeah, that is true. I guess I haven't thought about it like that. It is yeah, because a lot of the, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> so, all, yeah. all the other, oh, not all the other, but many of the other sketching tools, like you lay down ink and like you can go er- erase. You can erase or pixel or like, by pixel. Or, or like marquee select around yeah. a, mm-hmm. a bunch of pixels, but if you don't grab them all, you don't get the whole line with you. Right. Yeah, I think the best things about the sketching is the shape recognition. Yeah. Yeah, is really cool. Like you draw what a will be for me a crappy circle. Yeah, that's mostly oblong. And if you just hold it, yeah, it goes bonk, and then makes it into a real circle and gives you adjustable handles. Gives you adjustable handles. Exactly. You can then scale it, or well, you know, I, yeah. yeah, yeah. And now you can fill it too. So mm-hmm. it used to be just the lines for the outside. Now you can put a background color, right? Uh, which is really awesome for layering and doing some some neat things, uh, which is, has its own cameos we'll get to later, but, uh, which are pretty awesome. Um, and then also now the erase used to be whole everything, yeah. like everything in the stroke, everything yep. that you, that was laid All down the things the, the light you, touches. Yeah. Because <laughs> we'll it would basically make us, I mean, it's not vector based in the sense that, well, I mean, it is all vector based, but it's not, it's not like it 
forces you to only do like a Bezier curve or a, a straight line or whatever, you can still sketch totally free form, but from the point you put your pencil down to the point you take your pencil up, that is it's all like one stroke. object. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it used to be that the eraser, if you touched anywhere on that line, that whole thing goes away. Goes away. So like trying to do like center lines <laughs> was right. such a pain in the butt. Yeah. Yeah. And now you can just go erase pixel by pixel. Oh, well, yeah, you don't just do stroke, 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 stroke. You would just do a line and then erase. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Because I because with the shape recognition, you can get a totally straight line, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that gets rid of all the character of mine. Not at all straight center <laughs> lines. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with that character going away. <laughs> yeah. It, it when they added the pixel based erasing, I was like, oh, this is fantastic. This is awesome. And also with the uh, shape recognition for circles and squares and rectangles and polygons. It was like, oh, this is amazing. And then I was like, gotten so far that I was like drafting, in, <laughs> drafting. out of scale and in notability. Yeah, right. I was like, well, this so, is not the right tool for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, right. It's yes. Don't well, don't lose track of the free right. Well, and that's exactly where my head went. Was mm-hmm. like, oh man, I just want a numpad to be like, all right, this is going to be <laughs> five, just for rough scale. Because otherwise, <laughs> like, I, you're on the grid background. And you're like counting. You're like, all right, so this I thing totally works. do that though. I, I absolutely. Don't you guys do that? Yeah. No, I do. I, I, like, I like, put tick marks down for like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, you got to do it in yeah. scale. You got to do it. Right. Like rack layouts and things like that are real cool on a grid background because you're like, well, this is three U or whatever. And if it's not entirely in scale, right? Yeah. Whatever. Point. Yeah. Yeah. I think my favorite, one of my favorite tools, though, is the highlighter. Yeah. To add shading. To add shading. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Like, all the colors, all the stuff layered. Yeah. It's really great. Yeah, because everything everything in a single stroke is the same opacity. And then if you layer it on, it just adds the opacity, like increases how opaque it is. It makes it really easy to make shaded things and shadow drop shadows right. and round things you can get yeah. with not much effort, just a little bit of character and a little bit of like yep. texture and depth to something. Uh, or also even just for like, I use it a lot in regions. Like I'm looking at a whiteboard drawing, uh, again, great radio, but <laughs> the ability to be like, yeah, this chunk of stuff is all the motor and this chunk of stuff is all, you know, like a chain stage or whatever. Mm -hmm. When they start overlapping as you like draw on top of drawing on top of drawing. You can also drop in PDFs and JPEGs, PNGs and image types into the sketches and then you can draw over them and like notate them live on top of it. And it's really neat because once you've laid a line or something on top of a PDF or an image, it sticks yes. in vector even on, the on the image. Yeah. So you can move the image around mm-hmm. and yeah. all the annotations, baby. Yeah. So like for the lift for theater Calgary that we talked about on the last episode, yep. uh, we didn't have formal drawings for it at all, but we had the manual, which had some 3d views of the, uh, of things. So I was able to like take their sketch and like, quick sketch on top of, of like, Hey, we're going to add some bumpers here and some shields here and stuff like that to like, without spending a lot of energy, like 3d modeling or doing any like right. exhaustive things or like tell the client like, Hey, we're going to add all these safety features and they're going to be somewhat like this. And then once I was on site, I was able to like take photos of the pieces of things yeah. with measurements and like sketch on top of on top images. Of yeah. And so then I had like, 
the plan plus the notes for like how the real distances is, and then we could make the parts without like having to go through a huge exhaustive like drawing CAD exercise. Yeah, exactly. yeah. No, I that's one of my favorite things to do with it is like especially with the iPad, you can just you know be tourist in tourist mode and like hold <laughs> it up and take a picture inside notability and then draw on top of it as you're and like lay in your dimensions and sketch in what you're talking about adding and how you're modifying the space or whatever. And oh yeah. I think it's great. Right. You can just throw your cable paths in. That was huge on a recent gig we did that has very convoluted cable pathing to just like take pictures, like do a little, like a, like a photo essay of like, Hey, this is where you're going to want to run the pneumatic lines from like three right. rooms over. Yeah. 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 And I, I actually also keep like all of our, both our manual, well, not all of our manuals, but some of our manuals and then also like the Mitsubishi VFD manuals and stuff. I keep them in there just as like simple, mm-hmm. like just simple highlighting and notes and stuff because in the, in the right hand side pane in notability, if you pop that out, you can filter it to only show you pages you've bookmarked in the PDF or highlighted just like you would like in an Acrobat or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you can quickly find, like, where did I make a note about what parameter I need to set? Yeah. It's cool. It's that way, too. Yeah. I have one more fan note about notability, which is marquee selecting your text and rearranging it, because I suck at laying out my ideas on the first pass. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. If, or if I'm like, oh, I really need two bullet points under this one now, I can just grab everything and scooch it out of the way. Oh. Yeah, the two select tools are awesome, like the... Square or free lasso, yeah, yeah, lasso. Just get in there and make really weird shapes and just grab everything and move it. Yeah, yeah. and then the lasso automatically joins itself, which is real nice. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I know it's like, oh, welcome to 2005 Adobe products, but still, it's like, <laughs> mm. but it's really great. And the pen support is, it's just so amazing, right? Yeah. Like all of those things. I think you said before the podcast, Cody, that like it, you just don't use paper anymore, which I, is. Not, yeah. Completely devoid of paper. Yeah. And, and I think we're all three the same way where it's like, it, it just sits next to my computer. So if I'm on the phone, just taking like a, a hand, like write written note, I'll do that. But then I also sketch with it and annotate with it and all the other things. Like it just is my, I think you said like my magic paper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause yeah. And we, that's really like the iPad for me is that like anything that I would normally do on a piece of paper, I'll do on the iPad. And then anything that I wouldn't, do on a piece of paper I have to go to a computer right it's like where do you draw that line as like portable technology gets better and better uh, and for me that's the that's the line of demarcation is right like if I need to take a note to myself to be like oh I gotta order these eight things I do bomb generation also in notability no oh. mm-hmm. like I go through the 3d model and I just jot down I'm like all right cool oh, this yeah, component definitely. is gonna need in split eight screen socket head, right uh, exactly yeah. it's gonna be like eight socketed cap screws and blah 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 and then exactly in multitasking yeah I can just add those to the bomb and then go back with my highlighter tool or whatever and be like boop did that one boop did that one boop did that one mm-hmm. right yeah or like for the Sky Turtles, I like took the PDF of my drawing and dropped it in Notability because it was like a bunch of mod trust. So I was trying to count splices. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. I wasn't going to model all of them. And I was just like, oh, yeah. And yeah. I just dropped it. And then like all my. Just sketched on it. Yeah. Like everything is green. And those are all my three and a half inch bolts with splice plates and like just. Yeah. 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 Notated right on it and built it right in. Yeah. Are we going to mention the things we don't like about yes. Notability? Yes. We should only mention <sighs> those things. Uh, I think that the main thing is the is the lack of layers 
in your sketching. Yeah. Yeah. Like as you're starting to make sketches and you just want something to be above that last thing you just drew, there's no way to, or even to be that. able to like isolate a layer and turn off something in the background. And yeah. Turn, yeah. Yes. That stinks. Mm-hmm. And then having no control over the Z stacking about which thing is in front of the other and no like command to like bring to front or send right. to back. Or Whatever send you drew last is on top yeah. no yeah. matter what. And so then what you end up doing is like, oh, I actually really just want that thing to be in front. You like lasso tool and grab like the corner of the edge that you can select underneath all of the other sketches to like drag just it. Yep. Duplicate and then delete the original and dump it back on top. And it it's tedious like it just slows you down so much yeah that would be probably yeah that's the big one <laughs> for me and then i wish that text typing was more workable because while i often i mean I, I always now use just use my pen for notability um i do all my text creation in bear just because i there's no good way to do it. I mean, there, you can use Notability, but it's terrible at that. Yeah. Um, and so it, I wish I didn't have two different applications, one for like typed text and one for handwritten stuff. And then they recently updated the highlight tool, which in some ways is better and then is also worse. Now when you go to highlight over written text or any other line, it shoots it to the bottom underneath everything. Yeah. So before, if you had like a bright green highlight to highlight over like some black text, your black text would get slightly green. Right. Which isn't to be a showing through, through the highlight. Yeah. But that made it really great for like sketching and drawing machines and doing things because it's all layered above the like solid objects and things. And now it shoots them below. And like you go to draw on top of a rectangle that you just drew that's filled. And you can't. And it just shoots void and you can't get to it. <laughs> It like uh, slips behind. Yeah. 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 So it's better for people that don't draw anything, I think, but as someone that draws a lot in notability, it was like, right. Oh, why'd you break that thing? I loved. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you can each, uh, document, you can set like a grid background, a couple different sizes of grids or a dot grid or a series of different backgrounds. And it's for the entire document. Mm. so like i wish oh, i could do a sketch that's a page that's totally blank right and, and one then, that's got a grid and one's got a grid and then do another one that's got like, like a top grid or yeah, yeah or something. that's like a black page yeah. that you do a white on top of yeah. yeah but it's whatever document it all yeah. gets a grid or it all doesn't get a grid. for the entire for note the, yeah it's not a huge but yeah but nice. it'd be nice yeah per page styling per page styling yeah got it Cool. Well, we're an hour and 50 minutes in and we have like a couple more topics, but I think we should split this off, right? right? Yeah. Because <laughs> we end up going pretty long on some of those. Um, and it's getting late. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a, a couple more topics coming up uh, for a future episode when we can reconvene and do another Cool Tools episode. Um, it'd be great to hear back from anyone who's out there listening in the world. Like if you find this enjoyable or not, or if you want us just to shut up and talk about only automation. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thanks to both of you guys for hopping in and talking about this stuff. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, thanks for, for having us. Yeah. yeah it's a lot of fun. Platform to talk about productivity. Software. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. You know, this automa the automation thing pays the bills, but my passion is inventory software. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly.
<laughs> right on. Well, thanks to everyone for uh, listening. And if you've got ideas for the show or want uh, comments, suggestions, whatever, you can shoot us an email to podcast at creativeconnors.com and we'll pick it up and take that advice. And uh, if you didn't like what you heard, we will be happy to refund your money. All right. <laughs> thanks, everyone. Catch you next time. See you. Take care. <laughs>